Moncrief on News Talk with Avant Money. Money when you need it with Avant Money credit cards. Avant Card DAC trading as Avant Money is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. So why are you here? Oh, um, well, obviously it would be a huge honor to work with someone like you who's been working so uh, successfully for so long. I mean, you're a legend. <laughs> wow, a legend. <laughs> yeah. So you're a fan. I mean, of course. Would I be here if I wasn't? What's your favorite joke of mine? Man, you know, that's so hard. Well, it shouldn't be. I've written over 30,000. Just pick one. I would have to say that your TV show is my personal favorite thing that you've ever done. You mean my sitcom from 1973? You've seen it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've... Yeah, I've seen um, clips. Clips. Wonderful. That's, uh, I love it already. That's Hacks. All episodes of season one now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Take a while to get here, but maybe we'll come to that mm. uh, in, in a moment. But uh, uh, what's the concept behind it, James Emsey? So the concept is uh, that this sort of veteran comedian, stand-up comedian played by Jean Smart in a sort of kind of Joan Rivers type comedian. So she, mm. she's got this long running show on the Vegas Strip. But in addition to sort of doing her stand-up segment, you know, her, her her nightly kind of, you know, residency show, she's also flogging stuff on QVC all the time. And she's like a real hustler for making money at every possible moment. Mm. And her show is threatened by the arrival of Pentatonix, the, the, this like American... Uh, acapella group and in order to sort of uh, curry some favour with the casino owner she agrees to take in a younger writer to sort of freshen up her material and and give her new funny jokes that will appeal to young millennials and into that comes Hannah Ein. Binder, I'm going to say, uh, who plays Ava, who uh, we heard doing the terrible interview there, yeah. who has been cancelled, right? She's this up and coming comedian who tweeted something really offensive and is cancelled for it. And this is sort of her last effort to try and get a paying job because no one will hire her. She's totally been blackballed in Hollywood. And I mean, as you can hear from the the interview there, <laughs> they don't get off to the best possible start. And certainly, uh, even that concept itself isn't necessarily a novel kind of idea. Mm. You know, this this washed up, quote unquote, hack uh, meeting this younger uh, person who thinks they know it all and of course doesn't. We've seen that many, many times before. But when this debuted on HBO Max, I think uh, almost a year ago, June 2021, it was just an immediate critical darling. And to say it has been a long time coming (laughs) to our side of the Atlantic is not an understatement. And the fact that it has ended up on on Amazon Prime is kind of unusual because um, it is a HBO Max show. HBO Max is its own streaming service, which is available actually all all over Europe. It's just not in the UK and Ireland, not Italy either or Germany. Um, Because Sky has this deal, you know, wound up uh, for a couple of more years anyway. I don't know. I imagine once that sort of wraps up, we could get easily another streaming service, right? <laughs> I'm, Yippee. Look, I'm looking forward to TV on the radio 2029, 20, 20, <laughs> right? But anyway... Um, when it came out, uh, Jean Smart, who uh, people will know from lots of things, she was mayor's mother in Mayor of East Town. She yeah. was in Watchmen, where she played the sort of sil- silk spectre aged up a bit. Uh, she won every single award going. Like it was, it was like. Um, 
anything she was nominated for she got and yeah. uh, that means the Emmy the Golden Globe the SAG but every Critics Award everything she won and the success of Hacks was somewhat sort of um, overshadowed by Ted Lasso which also kind of won everything and Hacks I think was actually the much more funny and biting and, and interesting show because what I really liked about it is there's a lot of shows about stand-up comedy that don't that don't have funny stand-up comedy. Yes, them. yeah, <laughs> it's astounding how much of that there right? is. Like, if, even if you look at it, the other big one on on um, on Amazon Prime, The Marvelous Maisel, like, admittedly, that's set in the 1950s. It's a different world, uh, but it's a fantasy of the 1950s. It's a modern take on the 1950s because, mm. you know, they've no prob- there's no problems with race or sexuality or anything yeah. going on there, right? <laughs> but the stand-up isn't funny and it's performed by an actress who is very charming, but she's not funny. And the whole point is you're mm. supposed to think Midge is this really funny comedian and Jean Smart here sort of gets a pass on it because her comedy is not supposed to be really really funny she's supposed to be a bit washed up a bit kind of resting on her laurels and just going for the easy laugh because she's this 60 something year old woman who's really just trying to make as much money as she possibly can while she still has some degree of relevancy yeah. and into that comes Hannah her, or well, Hannah Einbinder as Ava her, her writer who is this biting like sneery mean spirited underling but who has very funny jokes and their interview you know I pulled that clip from like a five minute long segment it descends into this very <laughs> mean back and forth argument between the pair of them that is just absolutely hilarious and both of the actresses have amazing chemistry in this sort of like in this very stereotypical role of of you know the 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 powerful mm. older person who has done it all and the younger person who thinks they know it all, which I, as I've said we have seen before, but there's just something very fresh about it. The other thing about it is there are obviously these two women in comedy surrounded in an industry that is usually very male orientated, but as the season progresses. Because I have to admit, I didn't even know that this had dropped onto Amazon until this weekend. A friend of mine was like, oh, yeah, watch Tax finally. And I was like, where? Where did you see it? It it, it landed on the 1st of April with no fanfare. No, That's so strange. Like no even sort of um, like title card on the on the surface of I don't know what the, I'm not even sure what the nouns I'm looking for here. But when you go on to uh, Amazon Prime, it wasn't billed as like a new yeah. arrival that sometimes big things are. So to have, you know, to have what is arguably, in my opinion, the best show of 2021 just kind of somewhat buried here is, I, I look, you got to look at it at the positive side. It's a real gem. This is one of like the rare ones where I have recommend any anybody I have recommended this to has absolutely loved it. And like, I would recommend <laughs> to every listener that like, if you have ever listened to me on this slot and thought I have even a half a clue of what I'm talking about, go out and seek out this show. It is so funny and warm and interesting and mean. It's And it's half an hour long. It is like my absolute perfect show. <laughs> this will be James's last TV on the radio. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, wow, you're sticking your neck out there. But Jean Smart, like, you'd watch her reading the telephone book you anyway. Would. You yeah. would. In fact, so she's got this big uh, role in... Um, uh, in an upcoming movie with uh, like uh, her Oscar campaign for next year for Best Supporting Actress has already started she's uh, it, Damien Chazelle the the, um, yeah. what, the movie's about LA what's that called the, the musical about LA 
you know with La La, 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 La Land thank yeah. you he, his new movie she's got a supporting role in that where ah. she's already um, she's working with Margot Robbie it's about the talkies and she's already being billed as like next year's best supporting actress at the Oscars and she you know it's kind of funny that a hot streak for an actress can come at a very unusual time yeah, in your life yeah. you wouldn't necessarily assume with Jean Smart that it would come at the, I mean she was, she's always worked she's been always working in Hollywood she's won Emmys for the last kind of 20 years her husband passed away actually um, about a year ago and, and throughout the production and her incredible successful run of winning all these awards for this she was always very gracious and thankful to him in, in, in remembering him but her career is sort of very intriguing because it has really ignited in the last five years I would mm. say in a way that I don't know if anyone would have saw coming but this you know, the second season of this has already been made. The The trailer is out for it already. The second season adds big new names to the cast as well, including um, Susie Essman, who from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And, uh, in, and I also wanted to highly credit the show for understanding how to use Caitlin Olsen really well. She's um, in It's Always Sunny in California. She's sweet. Sweet D in It's Always Sunny. She plays Deborah, who is, uh, I should say, Deborah Vance is the is the comedian. She plays mm. Deborah's sort of <laughs> troubled daughter, uh, DJ Deborah Junior, in a really excellent role for her. It's a real meaty, funny part that she, you know. Caitlin Olsen she had her own very short run uh, sitcom called The Mick, which was actually really funny, and deserves kind of all the attention that she has gotten for this very small supporting role but that she has made completely her own. I, I cannot speak highly enough of of, wow. of this one. It is well worth paying Jeff Bezos money to fly into space for. Right. Okay there. Uh, uh, Paddy says uh, on a different subject just saw the last ever episode of Killing Eve. I have to say I enjoyed the fourth series a lot. It was very stylish, well written, had strong female characters and some interesting twists. One of the best series of the last few years. I would recommend it highly, uh, says Paddy. Have you watched that yet? I haven't gone the distance. I've watched the first season and it's the kind of thing that I wanted to like much more than I really actually did. Right, mm. The first season I liked but can't say I thought it was absolutely incredible. I started the second season and I fell off the cliff of watching it and never returned. So I, I, I haven't gone the distance with Killing Eve but like Sandra Oh is sort of someone I'm always rooting for. Right? Yes, like absolutely. I, she's great. She's great in everything and I want her to be in more things and I'm glad that this reignited her career somewhat in a way like Jean Smart had this revival, right? Sandra Oh had this big, huge revival with Killing Eve and I hope that continues. Yeah. Yeah, I can I must, I watched, I don't know, two or three episodes of the fourth series. It's kind of jumped, jumped the shark a bit. It's turned into a parody of itself. Yeah. And the first two episodes had this complicated you know, uh, thing to get Villeneuve back into the main story. We didn't need that story at all. It had nothing to do with anything. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It was, I, it had a, just for me anyway, it had a distinct bang of just repeating itself. Mm. Anyway, we'll move on to our second show of the day. It is the Andy Warhol Diaries. All episodes now streaming on Netflix. Here's a clip. All of a sudden, here was this man with this sort of mask-like face, this big. Andy Warhol, your impressions of what took place earlier on here. Oh, I'm speechless. It's just so exciting. I just don't know what to say. He put this thing out there so he could feverishly work behind this whole mask. I know there are a lot of people who say, it was an accident. I don't believe a word of it. It was a grand design of his. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Andy was like really great actors. They don't cry or they don't act vulnerable. 
but yet somehow you feel that they are. And I definitely felt that from him. Warhol felt the need to transform oneself into an image he created. He's perpetuated this myth, the myth of Andy Warhol. Wow, okay. We've seen a lot of documentaries about Andy Warhol. Lots been written and filmed and recorded about him. I hadn't seen that many documentaries about <laughs> Andy Warhol. So maybe if you have seen lots before or indeed read the Andy Warhol diaries, which came out, I think, a couple of years after he passed away and which was this thousand page long uh, collection of his, mm. basically his diaries, obviously. Um, maybe there's not an awful lot new for you in this, but I think kind of... So this came to me as a recommendation. My friend Paul, who's a TV director, he was like, oh, have you been watching the Andy Warhol diaries? And I said, no. And I gave it a go. And I will say I loved it. So it's six episodes long and they are long. I mean, it's a full hour long, full hour. Some of them are an hour and 15 minutes long. And they follow sort of very specific points or reference points in his life. So the first one is is sort of all about his moved to New York and his founding of the factory and a bit about kind of Studio 54, etc. up to the moment where he gets shot and then how this has a huge impact on his life. Mm-hmm. And then the remaining episodes sort of punctuate are punctuated by, in many ways, the men in his life. So it, it talks about sort of two very significant romances he had, one with this guy named Jed Johnson, uh, which lasted, I think, about 12 years. And then another one with a, a, a Paramount film producer named John Gould, uh, who passes away from complications of AIDS in the 1980s. And then it's about, it's not a romance, but there's sort of like a, a creative romance, I guess, with Jean-Michel Basquiat uh, in the 80s. And then the final episode is all about the sort of... the. Uh, the really, really sad side of the AIDS crisis in New York City. Mm. And what's sort of... So this documentary works on a really, really high aesthetic level, right? It's just gorgeous to look at. It's incredibly well put together. And it's kind of... uh, It's sort of obvious why, right? Because, you know, Andy Warhol was this very you know, this visual genius of sort of image image and recreation of image and use of pop culture images, right? So he has, the the screen is filled with sort of home movies, but also all of the kind of Polaroid pictures he took of people. And because he took, you know, 50, <laughs> 50 Polaroids of every yeah. single thing, there are enough of them that are similar, but slightly different to constantly be turning over. And then the soundtrack is absolutely gorgeous and sort of like hypnotic to listen to. So it's really visually stunning to look at uh, yeah. to begin with. And then I guess I didn't really know that much about Andy Warhol, right? I mean, I know who, I knew who Andy Warhol was. I knew the Campbell's Soup. I knew the big paintings. I knew mm. all that, right? I knew 15 Minutes of Fame. Every, you know, pretty, pretty much everyone I mean, knows you that. You then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but across the six hours of this show, it's just such an intriguing look at kind of particularly the late 70s and the decade of the 80s of this incredible excess uh, and and success of, of mm. Warhol against the backdrop of Reaganism and the advent of the AIDS crisis and what this meant for him and his friends, how he himself, uh, you know, is this absolute millionaire, world, fa- you know, probably the w- most famous artist in the world at the time, undoubtedly. And he has these huge... 
uh, crises of confidence about what he looks like and about his weight which fluctuates up and down but then he decides one time he just he's, he just decides I'm going to be a model and he spends this <laughs> period of years where he's a professional working model you know and it's really really intriguing to watch and then the, they, they tell the story of his of the, the two loves of his life uh, Jed and John uh, who are both you know it's kind of funny they're both um, for Andy Warhol who just recreated over and over and over again they were both identical twins separately and they were both you know oh God, one was, he had a type yes, then <laughs> one, well, and it's sort of intriguing because uh, you know Jed is this incredibly handsome man and John is this incredibly preppy like statuesque hunk and he uh, they both represent different things because like Jed is this very romantic he wants he wants Andy to be all into their romance mm. and Andy can't do it and their romance falls apart when Andy goes sort of mad uh, off power Partying. And then with John, John is this, you know, hunk, as I said, this like preppy American hunk who um, is 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 straight passing and how Andy sort of wishes he could be like that. You know, he could be this all American perfect hero. But it also what I really admire about it, and I will say it comes from a director named Andrew Rossi, who's himself a very intriguing character. He went to Yale, he went to Harvard Law, and now he's this like documentarian. And he... He's made a number of really, really famous documentaries. Uh, page, I think it's Inside Page One, which is the one about the New York Times. He's made, he, um, he, anyway, uh, Mommy Dead and Dearest, which the um, the Gypsy Rose, uh, that, that show with Patricia Arquette and Joey King is about. Anyway, he, um, he makes, he, he, so in assembling this documentary, he has put together just this really insightful piece about Andy Warhol but that's also quite critical of him at times so Mm. when he has befriended Basquiat this you know uh, enfant terrible of the art scene in in New York in the 1980s who's uh, who's this uh, black Puerto Rican um, he he has, you know, he. This guy. There's this question of what is their relationship to each other? Are they both piggybacking off the other, or was it just completely friendship? Or you know, is there something a bit more strange going on? And then in Andy's diaries, he makes all of these, but by modern standards, very uh, racist uh, terms about Basquiat and the artwork that he produces, and they don't, you know, shy away from any of that kind of mm. anything that in modern standards would be okay. extremely questionable. Okay. All right. Okay, well, that sounds very interesting. We'll get to our third show. It is Winning Time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. New episodes weekly on Sky Atlantic. Here's a clip. We got a deal. The fact is, Red, you were dead on. I thought I could waltz in here and spend my way to victory. Have a grand old time along the way. But you got me thinking about what I really needed. I need to cut your heart out. You haven't got it. Oh, yes, I do. And I'm going to beat your ass with it. This year, next year, every other year, and every other you. Until nobody even remembers Boston or the Celtics or the Great Red R back ever won a goddamned thing. (laughs) I'll see you when we play you, kiddo. 
Right, okay. Uh, that's uh, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Is it a drama, a docudrama? How, yeah, how does it's, it work? A, it's a drama and it's about, so it's obviously about the Lakers, but mm. I, I knew nothing. Like, the only thing yeah. I know about the Lakers is they play in yellow and they're in LA, right? But it's about... Just two this, more things that I knew. <laughs> it's about this specific era of the Lakers, which is when they were taken over by this uh, kind of mo- mogul businessman named Dr. Jerry Buss, who's played by John C. Riley there. And he bought them in 1979 and brings in Magic Johnson as a player in the draft of the NBA at the time and at the time the NBA was basically in the doldrums nobody was watching it it wasn't popular it, there was the potential that the whole thing was going to collapse and no longer exist and he just loves basketball and he wants to buy the team and this sort of uh, brought in an era that is known as the Showtime era which is this 10 year or maybe 15 year run for the Lakers where they just completely come in and dominate the sport and it's not called Showtime because it's a HBO show and they've changed the title because they don't want to give any kind of because there's the Showtime network as well yes, and they don't yeah. want any confusion over that but what's so I will say it's a good well-made drama um, it's made by Adam McKay of you know of of various like various true story kind of things right the big short you know, yeah, all the, and the trappings of his style are very obvious in the sense that there's fourth wall breaking and there's a lot of excess going on yeah. in it. But the backstory of the show is as interesting as the show itself because this is the show that led to his to Adam McKay's sort of creative divorce from Will Ferrell and has ended their friendship and oh. their production company because uh, Adam McKay. Originally, uh, Michael Shannon was cast in the in the lead role, and he left over creative differences. And then John C. Riley was recast in the main role as Jerry Buss, and Will Ferrell evidently wanted this role. And the story, the version we get is clearly not the full version, but yeah. they have fallen out and they're not speaking. And oh. uh, or or certainly Adam McKay has made comments that he has tried to apologise and it has met deaf ears. So this is that's the end of their creative partnership, and it's sort of sad because the show is not sort of some amazing piece of uh, television that is sort of worth the breaking down of their creative partnership forever. But it's a well-made, well-crafted, funny, you know, comic drama with everyone good in it. Particularly, I would say, John C. Riley is great. Quincy Isaiah is excellent as Magic Johnson. And then, uh, like, uh, and to be honest, it's the kind of, if you go onto the Wikipedia or the IMDb, the cast list is about 35 different people, all of which are character actors that you know from something and who are good in this. Yeah. Now, it is also an Adam McKay venture which means it's a bit sexist and it's full of naked women and not naked men and 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 all that kind of stuff so you need to, look if you need a palate cleanser from the feminism of hacks this is exactly <laughs> what is there for you <laughs> if there's a ilky residence of fe- uh, residue of feminism on your tongue this is uh, this is how to get rid of it uh, okay well that sounds interesting too uh, so the three shows James is talking about today was hacks all episodes of season and one now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, best show ever, uh, says James. Uh, the Andy Warhol Diaries, all episodes now streaming on Netflix, plus Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. New episodes are weekly on Sky Atlantic. James Dempsey, thanks a million. Thank you. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on New Stock. We're going to take a break. After that, now the driving licence changed the world. Moncrief on News Talk with Avant Money. Money when you need it with Avant Money credit cards.
Avancard DAC trading as Avant Money is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.